Hi, my name is Christy Kramer, and this is Michigan Unsolved, the true crime podcast that is solely focusing on unsolved cases in Michigan. There is no case too small. My goal is to give victims of unsolved crimes the voice they deserve. Hi everyone, welcome back. So glad to be with you guys here today. I cannot believe that it's already October 18th. Halloween is just around the corner. Before you know it, it'll be Thanksgiving. Christmas lights will be going up, which, hint, hint, mine will be going up on November 1st um, because I am one of those people. My dad had convinced my son when he was little that if mommy put up the Christmas lights or the Christmas tree before Thanksgiving, that a baby elf would die. Well, now he's old enough to not believe that. So I'm going to decorate a little early, but I am not decorating the upstairs because of my terror twins, um, better known as Bailey and Ozzy. Um, but I am going to decorate my office and I am very excited for that because I'm in the basement and it gets a little dreary down here. So I'm planning on putting up twinkle lights and a small tree and really just embracing the season for two whole months. <laughs> also, I'm excited because at the end of January, I am going on a nine day cruise and this is my first cruise. We are going on a massive ship, the Symphony of the Seas through Royal Caribbean and I'm going to be going snorkeling with sea turtles and going on a beach tour in Aruba. And I'm just completely excited about this. But as I mentioned, I've never been on a cruise before. So if any of you have any tips, please feel free to reach out on the Facebook group because I could use all the help I can get. <laughs> um, so. With that being said, I want to jump right into today's case, and it's a doozy, like crazy doozy. I've never heard of this case before, and it literally fell in my lap yesterday, and I jumped to the research, and I jumped to writing everything down. I was mind blown. The way this fell into my lap is that because I work in the basement, I have a TV down here just for like extra noise and extra lighting, honestly, because it's a little dark. Uh, so most people may have some, like if you're going to have something in the background playing, who knows what it could be, something lighthearted. But me being me, I had Unsolved Mysteries playing. I wasn't paying attention, honestly. I, I was actually working and something caught my ear and I it drew my attention to this episode and absolutely floored. And when you hear the story, you're going to be crushed and I just don't even know what to say. It is seriously, completely trash and garbage. This like this human being that did these things and the majority of this case has already been solved. Okay, there, there is this element that is still unsolved and that took me to my knees.
the title of this case is Where is Shannon Timmerman? But the story starts way before Shannon's disappearance. Rachel Timmerman lived in Cedar Rapids. I'm sorry, Cedar Springs, Michigan. And at 17, she had a beautiful baby girl named Shannon. On August 7th, 1996, when Rachel was 18, she went to a party. Like all 18, you know, kids that age, they go to parties. Nothing wrong with that, right? When she decided to leave the party, she left with people that were known to her. Okay, one of them was a family friend by the name of Marvin Gabrian and another person named Wayne Davis, who was a friend of Marvin's and another unnamed man. Marvin at the time was 43 years old. So he was more the age of Rachel's parents if not even older. He was 43 at the time and Rachel was only 18. So the four left the party. And if you've ever been to Cedar Springs, it is, it, you know, it's not a highly populated area. It is a little bit more rural. Um, so as they're leaving the party, Marvin pulls into a field and orders the two men out of the car. He leaves them standing in the field. And he drives off with Rachel. Once Marvin had her alone, he took this young 18-year-old girl and viciously beat her and repeatedly raped her. I do not know how she got home. I do not know what happened in the moments after this horrific attack. But she did go home. He took her. I don't know if he took her home or what, but he did let her go and he took her home. But he did make her a promise. He told her, if you tell anyone or press charges or go to the police, I will kill you and your baby. But Rachel, being the strong and courageous woman she is, she did tell her mom, and with the support of her parents, she went to the police to report this savage attack. The investigation into the rape and beating of Rachel Timmerman took six months. But on January 20th, 1997, Marvin Gabrian was finally arrested and charged with the rape of Rachel Timmerman. Unfortunately, two weeks later, Marvin made bail, and he was a free man and armed with a vengeance towards a teenager. The aftermath of Rachel's attack left her a broken shell of the girl she once was, but she took her pain and she channeled it into being the best mom she could be to baby Shannon. Rachel got a job working at a local restaurant and she started to make a life for herself and her daughter. As the preliminary hearing date approached, 
Rachel started to really struggle. She began having horrible nightmares, and she told her parents a terrifying secret. In the prior, in the prior months leading up to this preliminary hearing, Marvin Gabriel, on multiple occasions, again made threats to kill Rachel and baby Shannon. She had been walking with that secret. She had been holding that information in her, you know, within herself. That not only on the, on the night of her attack, he threatened to kill her and her child, but he had been continuously making these threats in the months afterwards. But she was still determined to testify. But deep inside, she knew that if she did testify at that hearing, Marvin Gabriel would keep his promise and kill them both. Still, her parents stood by her, and she prepared to testify. Then, on June 3, 1997, just two days before the preliminary trial, Rachel told her dad that she was going to go on a date. She, a man had asked her to go on this date with her, and he encouraged her and even told her to bring the baby with her. Now, as a single mom, that... I kind of go back and forth with that. Now, Rachel was young. She was only 18. I, a first date, no, I would never have done that. You know, fourth, fifth, sixth date. You know what? If a man had said, hey, bring your son along, you know, let's do something together. Once I'd gotten to know him, I honestly would have jumped at the chance. I'm a little bit conflicted here. I don't know if whether or not, like, did did she, did Rachel's father find this odd? Um, he does say that she was in good spirits. She seemed happy. I question if maybe she went knowing. What could potentially happen? I really don't know. I mean, to me, this, this moment is very, is a defining moment. Her, her leaving with the baby two days prior to the trial with a man that she had not been dating. It is reported that he possibly could have asked her out before, but... I don't know. It, to me, it just seems odd. I, I, as even at 18, I don't think if I had a child that I would have taken my baby on a first date, but I, I can't speak. I can't speak for her. Um, so she was, she was going on this date with 11 month old Shannon and her father told unsolved mysteries that she seemed happy before she left. But then everything would change. One day later, on June 4th, 1997, Rachel's father received a letter from Rachel. I don't know if there was a postmark on it. I just know there was a letter in his mailbox from Rachel. And it basically told her father that her and Shannon were taking a vacation. 
Now, her dad thought this was odd because he knew that the trial was very close. Actually, it was going to be the next day. She had just started a job. Why should, why would she be taking a vacation? On June 5th, 1997, the trial, the preliminary trial of Marvin Gabrion started. But since the only witness, 18-year-old Rachel Timmerman, did not show up to testify, the courts were forced to drop the rape charges against Marvin Gabrion. Now, this itself bothers me because there was a six-month investigation prior to making the arrest. I understand that you don't have your complaining witness, which alone is weird, but you didn't have any evidence in that six months? I mean, you obviously had to have had something to make these charges besides a complaining witness. I don't understand why you could not, I mean, maybe I just don't get the court system, but to me, I feel like they should have been able to at least do something. But then to confuse things even more, on June 16th, the prosecutor on the case received a letter from Rachel. It was postmarked from Little Rock, Arkansas, which is like 15 miles away from Cedar Springs, Michigan. 1,500 miles, I'm sorry, 1,500 miles away from Cedar Springs, Michigan. This letter, like the one that Rachel's father received, was in her handwriting. So there is little doubt that Rachel wrote the letters. The letter told the prosecutor that Rachel and Shannon... were, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say it. The letter, this is so horrible. Um, the letter told the prosecutor that Rachel lied about the rape. This brutally savage rape. This, she would, not only was she raped, but she was beaten viciously. Okay. <clears throat> the letter stated that she lied. That she actually pursued Marvin, but when he rejected her, she decided to punish him by making these claims. Which, seriously? She's 18, he's 43. She went on to say that she did not, she did not want an innocent man to go to jail and she wants the charges to be dropped. Now, the prosecutor being extremely intelligent, did not believe anything in the letter and honestly, truly believed that something was terribly wrong and that Rachel was in danger. The same day that the letter was received by the prosecutor, Rachel's dad also received a letter from Rachel, also postmarked from Little Rock, Arkansas, and again in Rachel's own handwriting. She told her dad that she and Shannon were fine and that she would call soon. However, that call would never come. Unfortunately, on July 5th, 1997, in the early morning hours, the body of a young woman was found in Oxford Lake. Now, let me stop you there. If you're from Oakland County, you know Oxford Lake. This is not that Oxford Lake. This is actually 
a teeny tiny lake in Nuevo County, which is in the Manistee National Forest. Okay, this is not the Oxford Lake in Oakland County. This is completely separate. The body was in advanced states of decomposition. It had been wrapped in chains and had cinder blocks padlocked to them. There was duct tape over the woman's eyes and mouth. The autopsy showed that the cause of death was drowning. This means that the young woman had been thrown into the lake alive. The body was determined to be that of 18-year-old Rachel Timmerman. Authorities and Rachel's loved ones panicked and searched the lake and the surrounding areas for any signs of little Shannon, but there was none. At the this is just so I spent hours last night researching this and writing it out but reading it back it just it really hits me God, could you imagine being those police officers and her family searching for a body of an 11 month old baby Oh, boy. Okay. Police believe that shortly after Rachel and Shannon left her father's home on June 3rd, 1997, they were held captive and Rachel was forced to write the letters. Autopsy reports lead police to believe that Rachel's body had been in Oxford Lake since shortly after she disappeared. <clears throat> they had one suspect. Guess who? Marvin Gabriel. It was believed that he held true to the promise that he had made many, many times. He had killed Rachel Timmerman. But this left one question. Where is baby Shannon? When police went to arrest Gabriel, he was nowhere to be found. One thing they did find on his property were cinder blocks that were disturbing that disturbingly matched the blocks that had been that had drug Rachel to her death at the bottom of Oxford Lake. After discovering that Marvin had fled the area, police noticed something more peculiar. Other individuals associated with him had also vanished. Wayne Davis, who if you remember, was one of the two men that were in the car the night of Rachel's attack. He was, he was just gone. He had agreed to testify against Marvin, but no one had seen him since shortly after Marvin was released from jail. Another man named John Weeks was a friend of Rachel's and, and an acquaintance of Gabriel. He was identified as the man that had picked Rachel up, Rachel and Shannon up the day she disappeared. He has not been seen since late June of 1997. Local police called in the FBI. This was obviously 
much bigger than they could handle. Through investigations, Marvin Gabrion was found to be living in New York City under the name Robert Allen. The real Robert Allen had been a transient who had since vanished. Why is it every person this man seems to come in contact with just vanishes? Authorities and the FBI believe that Davis, Weeks, and Allen had all been victims of Marvin Gabrion and were likely dead. But still, the question is, where is baby Shannon? According to an Unsolved Mysteries update in June of 1999, Marvin Gabrion was officially indicted for Rachel's murder. Shoveled witnesses came forward claiming to have seen Gabrion, Rachel, and a man believed to be John Weeks near Oxford Lake on the day she vanished. On the day, I'm sorry, on the day after she vanished. Witnesses placed Gabrion in possession of a distinct pickup truck with a boat attached. Two days later, one of Weeks's neighbors, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, one of Gabrion's neighbors saw him drab, dragging a metal boat on his driveway. The neighbor also saw him pull out two life jackets, cinder blocks, a length of chain from his boat. They also witnessed what appeared to be him filing the serial numbers off of his boat. After searching his home, they found the keys to the padlocks that were found with Rachel's body. Then Marvin's nephew led police to a campsite that he frequented. And there they found the following. Bolt cutters, chains, duct tape, a woman's hair clip, And this part, oh, they found silicone nipples that belong to baby bottles. Marvin was known to those around him as being a violent man. At least two of his neighbors claim that their homes had been set on fire shortly after disagreeing with him. He was also known to fire guns at people's homes in retaliation for arguments that they may have had. Now, because Rachel's body was found in a lake that was, on, that was within government-owned property, this became a federal crime. In March of 2002, a jury convicted Marvin Gabrion in Rachel Timmerman's murder. And although Michigan is not a death penalty state, due to the fact that there was that this is a federal crime, Gabrion has been sentenced to death. In July of 2002, Wayne Davis's body was found. He was killed in a very similar fashion to Rachel. And Marvin Gabrion is the prime suspect in Wayne Davis's murder. Sadly, while awaiting trial, Gabrion had given another inmate a map on which was written, Body of Three, One Found. He also told two inmates that he killed baby Shannon because there was nothing, nowhere else to put it. There was nowhere else to put it, is the quote that he supposedly said. 
nowhere else to put it. So he killed an 11-month-old baby. To this day, here it is, October 18th, 2023. The body of Shannon Timmerman has never been found. At the time of her disappearance, Shannon was 11 months old. She had blonde hair and blue eyes and had just started to take her first steps. Her family says she was a happy baby. She was two feet, six inches tall and weighed approximately 30 pounds. I've seen pictures. She was a little chubby baby with those cute round cheeks and happy smile. She had a birthmark on the back of her neck and she was last seen wearing a multicolored dress and a diaper. Today, Shannon would have been 27 years old. And, and I, that last sentence, I, um, I have it written twice. I have it written, Shannon would be 27 years old. And I have it written as Shannon would have been 27 years old. I, I'm torn here on how I feel. You know, um, if we look, if we think back to the baby Kate case, where her father told other inmates that he had killed her, I do not believe he had. He did. I believe that baby Kate is out there somewhere. I believe he gave her to someone. That's just my personal belief. Um, this. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously we know that somebody took these letters to Little Rock, Arkansas. Just like within two weeks of the disappearance, they were in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, Davis is believed to have been, not, I'm sorry, not Wayne Davis, but John Weeks is believed to be the one that went to Little Rock. When his girlfriend was questioned, she even stated that when she couldn't find him, she went to Marvin Gabriel and asked him, could, because Gabriel was the last person that, that he was, that he was known to be with. And he says that he left him in Little Rock. Personally, I think that there's a good possibility that that baby was taken to Little Rock, Arkansas. Because we got to remember that in 1997, again, the internet did not exist the way that it does today. There's a lot to be said about the possibility of her being sold, the possibility of so many things. I, I, this particular person is beyond, pardon my language, but beyond shitty. I would not put it past him to kill. I mean, well, I wouldn't put it past him to kill the baby, but I would not put it past him to try to make an extra buck by selling her or possibly telling Davis to 
take care of it. Maybe he couldn't do it himself. And he told Davis to take care of it. And Davis saw an opportunity. John Davis's body has never been found. How do we know that, hell, how do we know that Davis and Shannon aren't out there living as father and daughter? I mean, the, the possibilities here are literally endless. And until a body of, of an 11-month-old baby is found, which... We know the possibility of that, especially if she was left somewhere in the forest, in the Manistee Forest, because, again, that is where baby Kate's body was left, according to her father, and never found. So there's just so much open to interpretation there as to the possibilities. But with today's level of DNA, look, if you... (laughs) This is a blonde hair, blue eyed child. I've seen the age progression photos and I'm planning on posting them in the Michigan Unsolved Facebook group so you can take a look at them. She would be 27. This is the, like, right now, a lot of people are, people, kids who have been adopted and stuff like that, they're putting their DNA into things like Ancestry.com, 23andMe, to find relatives, you know, and, you know, we've come across relatives that we didn't know about using these sites. So the potential is out there. And honestly, personally, I encourage everyone to do this. Not only for the sake of possibly finding someone that you didn't know, but also because it could help solve an unsolved crime. Because familial DNA is very, very prevalent right now in with the FBI in searching for closing old cases by using family members to find the actual culprits and people may think that that's horrible but look if you did excuse me if you did something so bad that you've got people searching dna looking for you well then that's on you you deserve to be caught personally my opinion so okay so with that being said um that is the end of today's case baby shannon is still missing 27 years later, uh, she deserves to be found. She deserves her justice. Marvin Gabrion is still in prison awaiting his death sentence to be carried out. It's been 27 years. I don't even have a calculator on me as to how old he would be at this time. Just me. I'm just curious. He'd be seven. He is 70. Okay. Roughly. So, um, you know, maybe he'll die in prison. Who knows? I don't know. I just know this guy is trash and definitely deserves to be punished. So, um, like I said, if, if you can, I'm going to check out the Michigan Unsolved Facebook group because I am going to post the age progressed picture of baby Shannon, as well as a picture of what she looked like at the time of her disappearance. And who knows, maybe you could help solve a case. Thank you all, and until next time, this has been Michigan Unsolved.